God's Revelation to the Human Heart by Father Seraphim Rose Part 2 Revelation If you look at a textbook of Orthodox theology, you will find that the truth cannot be found by the unaided powers of man. You can read the scriptures or any holy book and not even understand what they say. There is an example of this in the book of Acts in the story of the Apostle Paul and the Ethiopian eunuch. Quote, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, to whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Acts eight twenty six through 39 there are several supernatural mystical elements in this account. The angel tells Philip where to go, although to the Ethiopian it seems like just a chance encounter on a desert road. And later on, after the baptism, the Spirit of the Lord takes up Philip, who disappears before the eyes of the eunuch. But this is not what made the eunuch want to be baptized and become a Christian. There was something else that affected him, not the miracles, but something in his heart. Miracles, although they sometimes help a person to come to faith, are not the right reason to accept Christianity. In the same book of Acts, we read the story of Simon the sorcerer, who wished to pay money to join the church and gain the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because they were very spectacular and miraculous. He was in the very lucrative profession of sorcery, at a time when the more supernatural things one could do, the more money and prestige one would get, and when there were more of these things happening in Christianity than in the pagan world. As we know from the book of Acts, Simon's request was denied by the Apostle Peter, and he came to a bad end, giving us the word simony for the concept of trying to buy the grace of God. By contrast, when Philip spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch, something in the eunuch's heart changed. It says in the Acts that he came to believe, that is, his heart was melted by the truth he heard. The words of Scripture are very powerful, and when the right interpretation is given to them, something in a human being opens up if his heart is ready. Therefore, the eunuch accepted Christ with his whole soul, 
He was a changed man. This was not for the sake of miracles, but for the sake of that which Christ came to earth to bring. The same thing can be seen in another place of the New Testament, when two of the disciples of Christ were walking on the road to Emmaus. Christ himself, on the very day of his resurrection, joined them and began walking with them, asking them why they were so excited. They in turn began asking him if he was the only one who did not know what had happened in Jerusalem. They said that there was a great prophet who had been killed and then had allegedly risen from the dead, but they did not know what to believe. Christ then began to open their hearts and to explain what the Old Testament said was going to happen to the Messiah. All this time the disciples did not recognize him, for he did not come to them with signs and wonders to dazzle them. Later on, when they came to Emmaus, Christ made as though he would have gone further, and he would have departed from them unrecognized had they not asked him, out of simple love for a stranger in need, to spend the night with them. Finally, when he sat down with them and broke bread, as he had done at the Last Supper, their eyes were open, and they saw that it was Christ himself, and then he vanished right before their eyes. They began to question themselves and remember that all the time he had been with them walking on the road, they had been had a burning in their hearts, even though they had not recognized him. What made them recognize Christ in the end was this burning heart, and not just the fact that he vanished out of their sight, because magi magicians can do that also. Therefore, it is not first of all miracles which reveal God to men, but something about God that is revealed to the heart that is ready for it. This is what is meant by a burning heart, by which the two disciples had contact with God who came in the flesh. Here we see how what is called revelation comes about. The heart is moved and changed by the presence of God, or by someone who is filled with his spirit, or by just hearing the truth about him preached. That is also how the apostles had the power to go out to virtually the whole inhabited earth, to India, and perhaps even as far as China, to Russia in the north, where the Scythians were living, to Britain in the west, and to Bessinia in the south, in order to preach the gospel to all peoples within the first decades after the resurrection of Christ. It is the same today, even though people have become much more insensitive and dense spiritually, much less simple, and do not respond easily to the truth. In the case of Archbishop John, those who have come to believe through him have been moved not first of all by his miracles, but by something that moved their hearts about him. I'll give an example from his life, an incident that occurred in Shanghai, where he was bishop during World War II. It was related to us by a good friend of ours who died a few years ago, a voice instructor named Anna. As she explained it, Archbishop John's fasting was so strict that his lower jaw lost power during fast periods and he spoke very indistinctly. She had the assignment of giving him lessons to exercise his jaw and make him speak a little more clearly. He would always come to her at regular intervals, and when he finished each lesson, it was his custom to leave a $20 American bill. During the wartime, this woman was wounded and was dying in a French hospital in Shanghai. It was late at night, there was a fierce storm outside, and no communications were possible in the city. But she had her in, in her heart only one idea. Having been told by the doctors that she was going to die, her only hope was that Archbishop John would come, give her Holy Communion, and somehow save her. She begged people to get word to him, but they said it was out of the question. The phones weren't working because of the storm, and the hospital, since it was wartime, was locked up for the night. So all she could do was cry out, Help me, Archbishop John, come. Of course, people said that the poor woman was raving 
there was no possible contact with him. But that night, as she was shouting these words, the door opened up in the midst of the storm, and in walked Archbishop John with Holy Communion. He came up to her, gave her confession, calmed her down, she was, of course, overjoyed, gave her Holy Communion, and left. The woman slept 18 hours after this, and waking up the next day, she felt that she had recovered. It must be the fact that Archbishop John came, she said. What Archbishop John? The nurses asked, saying that he couldn't have possibly entered the lockdown hospital on such a night. The person in the bed next to her said that someone had in fact been there, but still no one believed her. She began to wonder whether she had been having hallucinations, but as the nurses were making her bed that day, they discovered under her pillow a $20 American bill. Aha, she said, that's the proof he was here. How, one may ask, did Archbishop John know? How did he manage to get to her when there was no human communication possible to get the message across to him? One can say that it was revealed to him because so many things like that were revealed to him. But how was it revealed? Why to him and not to someone else? Why is the truth, it would seem, revealed to some and not to others? Is there a special organ for receiving revelations from God? Yes, in a certain sense there is such an organ, though usually we close it and do not let it open up. God's revelation is given to something called a loving heart. We know from the scriptures that God is love. Christianity is the religion of love. You may look at the failures, see people who call themselves Christian or not, and say there is no love there, but Christianity is indeed the religion of love when it is successful and practiced in the right way. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself says that is above all by their love that his true disciples are to be distinguished. John 13, 35. If you ask anyone who knew Archbishop John what it was that drew people to him and still draws people to him who never knew him, the answer is always the same. He was overflowing with love. He sacrificed himself for his fellow men out of the absolute unselfish love for God and for them. This is why things were revealed to him which could not get through to other people and which he never could have known by natural means. He himself taught that for all the mysticism of our Orthodox Church that is found in the lives of the saints and the writings of the Holy Fathers, the truly Orthodox person always has both feet firmly on the ground, facing whatever situation is right in front of him. It is in accepting given situations, which requires a loving heart, that one encounters God. This loving heart is why anyone comes to a knowledge of the truth even though sometime, God sometimes has to break down and humble heart to make it receptive. And as in the case of the Apostle Paul, who at one time was breathing fire against and persecuting Christians. But to God, the past, present, and future of the human heart are all present, and he sees where he can break through and communicate. The opposite of a loving heart that receives revelation from God is cold calculation, getting what you can out of people. In religious life, this produces fakery and charlatanism of all descriptions. If you look at the religious world today, you see that a great deal of this is going on. So much fakery, posing, calculation, so much taking advantage of the winds of fashion, which bring first one religion or religious attitude into fashion, then another. To find truth, you have to look deeper. <laughs>